You know we love spooky things. This is why we fell in love with Michigan-based Lynn B. Designs. When I popped the pumpkin spice all the things wax melt into my burner, my home was filled with a delicious buttery scent. Plus, there's the wide variety of a gorgeous nail polishes with themes like Hocus Pocus and Pleasant Peninsula. All products are vegan and cruelty-free, and you can find monthly sales on Facebook and Instagram at Lynn B. Designs. Head to lynnbdesigns.store today. Again, that's L-Y-N-B-designs.store. We love them. We love you. It's great nail polish. It's the best I've ever used. Thanks! Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy? Or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. Welcome back, everyone! Woo! Woo! I don't know which episode we're using for the opening of season five, but this is probably it. What's up? Thanks for an awesome summer. Uh, thanks to all of our pat- patrons, new and old and upgraded. It's been a busy time, guys. It has been a very busy year. We're d- which is it's good, but it's, yeah, it's also busy. Which is good. We got so yeah, much to do. Great. There's so much to do. Leveling up. We're leveling up. <laughs> In like a really huge way, but also I'm very tired. Yeah. <laughs> My brain is very tired. Same. I don't want to look at facts anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm still down with the facts. <laughs> it's how I relax. <laughs> and I apologize in advance for the way that I sound. For some reason, I'm still getting over some sinus thing from two fucking weeks ago. Same, except not from two weeks ago, from like a week ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the time of recording this, which is September. So hopefully by the time this releases, I am over it. But if I am not. <laughs> you see a doctor. Uh, I just you see a specialist. See a get that specialist. Point. Surgeon, maybe. Get this off. I just don't need sinuses anymore. It's fine. Uh, all right. Um, so we're starting off this season four by revisiting a topic. Um, lighthouses of the UP. Because that's. So many lighthouses. (laughs) So many. Um, So this episode will also be entirely devoted to the Upper Peninsula. Shout out Upers. Right? They need their due as well. They are still part of this state, even though some trolls like to forget. It's true. You know, when you're only connected by a bridge. Yeah. (laughs) A man-made bridge. So we have a lot, a lot of lighthouses in Michigan. More than any other state, in fact. Yep. And the northern Great Lakes are dangerous as hell. Extremely. They're scary. Yep. Even just, like, watching the waves from the lake house on Lake Huron. It's like... Don't go out there. You're scary. Damn, nature, you scary. Yeah. I know what what happens in northern Lake Huron. (laughs) At least it's not November. Oh, damn. Oh, burn. Too soon? <laughs> Too soon. 
<laughs> it was like 50 years hundreds ago. Hundreds sure. of years of history. <laughs> <laughs> too soon for the 1600s. It's too soon. Too soon. All right. Okay. Do it. Our first lighthouse is the Point Iroquois Lighthouse, located to the west of Sault Ste. Marie. And uh, when you hear how it got its name, oh boy. No. <laughs> I don't, do I really want to know? It's like, oh, yikes. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I think I have mentioned Henry Schoolcraft on the podcast before. I'm sure. Um, I'm, it's probably not the last time. Um, I've never really explained who he is, I don't believe. Some of you may know. Um, among several other occupations, he was an Indian agent for Michigan based in Sault Ste. Marie in the 1820s, 30s, and maybe 40s. He was at it for a while. Uh, I couldn't quite parse that out. Like, he, he was around for a while, and, and like I said, he did a lot of things. Um, he also named many of our state counties... Uh, many of which sound Ojibwe, but were more or less made up by Henry Schoolcraft. Great. He just wanted something that sounded Ojibwe-ish. Great. Fantastic. Exotic. <laughs> uh, his wife, give me a minute here, <laughs> Obabamwawa Geje Gogwa, which means the sound the stars make while rushing through the sky, or Jane in English. All right. <laughs> uh, that's like... <laughs> It's like all the folks at Ellis Island that, like, just changed people's names because they were too hard. That's <laughs> not true. They didn't actually do that. It's once the people got into New York and realized, oh, no one can pronounce my name. No one can say this name. I better change it. Um, but, yeah, Jane. Of all the names, Jane Good in English. Lord. Um, I do not speak Ojibwe, but I did try to get the pronunciations spelled out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, this season has actually a lot of... Uh, it does. There's a lot of Ojibwe and Odawa, so... Yeah. Good luck to us. I know I found web pages, but they don't like specifically tell me how to pronounce these names. So, right. <laughs> um, so Jane was the granddaughter of Wabojig, an Ojibwe warrior and chief. Um, and if you study Michigan history, you'll probably come across him. Jane's mother, Ojagusko Dewe Kwe, uh, was also prominent in the Sault Ste. Marie. And her father, John. God damn <laughs> such it. the most boring freaking name ever. <laughs> Her father, John, was a wealthy Scots-Irish fur trader, and uh, their love, love story is actually kind of cute, but I won't get into it here because that's a lot. He's Scots-Irish, and he only gets the name John. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is his long, beautiful, yes, hard to pronounce for our tongues, names that, like, mean gorgeous things, and it's like, yeah. what's up, I'm John? Yep. I don't even get a cool Scots or Irish name. Like, yeah. I just get John. It should be Gaelic somehow. Oh, like, it would just be like Sean or Ian. It so. would be Sean. Yeah, <laughs> but still. For Scots, it would be Ian, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not that I don't like those names, but they're still kind of, they're not that far off from John. Sorry. Henry and Jane worked together to record many Ojibwe traditions, stories, and songs. Jane translated them from Ojibwe to English. Reading from thesoundthestarsmake.com. Let's see what they did there. Quote, she was also the first known American Indian literary writer, the first known Indian woman writer, the first known Indian poet, the first known poet to write poems in a Native American language, and the first known American Indian to write, our tradi to write out traditional Indian stories. End quote. So you should remember her because she was an That's awesome lady. Badass. Yeah. Oh, we also talk about a lot of cool indigenous folk this season, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, they're so important to Michigan history. And, and, and fairly recently, this is like... Up to the mid-1800s. Right. It's not, honestly, not that long ago. No. Uh, so the reason we're talking about Jane and Henry is because this is how Iroquois Point got its name. <laughs> not because Henry made up the name. Not this time. Not this uh, time. <laughs> but because Jane translated the name for her husband. 
The Ojibwe name is Naudowe Gunning, which means place of Iroquois bones. Nice. <laughs> Diana Higgs Stampfler uh, says in her book, Michigan's Haunted Lighthouses, great book, that in 1662, the Ojibwe slaughtered an invading band of Iroquois near where the lighthouse now stands. So it's a boneyard. The ideal place to build. The ideal place to build. A uh, bunch of people died yeah, here. Let's build won. shit. But yeah, they were the two groups. The Ojibwe, I think, were kind of spreading out their territory at yeah. the time. And, and the Iroquois kept doing the same. <laughs> this was this was some hot territory right. back in the day. And they clashed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Ojibwe slaughtered a band of Iroquois and then called it Place of Iroquois Bones. I mean, yeah. If you are the slaughtering nation, what else are you going to call it? Yeah. So now we just, it's been softened in English. So we're just going to take out the bones part? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Reading from the Hiawatha National Forest Point Iroquois Lighthouse page, quote, The first lighthouse and lightkeepers residence were built in 1855, and the light was exhibited for the first time on September 20th, 1857. With the growth of traffic through the locks due to the discovery of copper in the UP, the importance of the light station increased. In 1870, the wooden tower and residence were replaced with the brick buildings that stand today. The tower is 65 feet high. So in addition to the Iroquois battle, another incident of note occurred in 1919 after a nasty November storm. We're saying on Lake Superior. (laughs) Don't go on the Great Lakes in November. No! Don't do it. The time has passed. In fact, the time is a full, like, month and a half past. Yes. Don't do it. (laughs) We've talked about so many storms in November sinking ships. Um, so the SS Myron sank within two miles of Whitefish Point. Ooh, we've been there. Yep, we have. I've been there a couple of times. It's beautiful. Uh, attempts were made by nearby ships to rescue the crew, of course, uh, but they failed. Of course. Yep. <laughs> it just happens a lot. Uh, Captain Walter Neal was the only survivor. He was in the pilot house when it blew off the ship, and he managed to hang onto its roof, floating to eventual safety in Canada. Holy shit. Yeah, wild, right? Uh, it was so cold that his clothing had frozen to his body. The, the crew members, however, did not fare as well. And I will have Kay read from Military Wiki, which paints quite the picture. Uh, it hurts me to read from Military Wiki. That's fine. Um, quote, all 17 crewmen of the Myron drowned or froze to death in Whitefish Bay. All were recovered wearing life jackets and covered with ice. Again, it's November. A tug owned by Frank Weston found a boatload of frozen crewmen in Whitefish Bay. And I realize it's like an actual boatload, but also I'm just like, (laughs) found a boatload of of men, of these frozen guys. A literal boatload. Good God. (laughs) Uh, Found a boatload of frozen crewmen in Whitefish Bay several days after the sinking. Some crewmen were frozen into grotesque grotesque shapes that had to be thawed out next to a roaring fire at a Sault Ste. Marie funeral home. The bodies of five of the crewmen were found encased in ice near Whitefish Point in November 1919, but further search for the lost crew was hampered by a heavy snow and sleet storm because, again, it's November in the UP. Yep. Local residents found eight bodies of the Myron crew frozen in the ice near Salt Point on Whitefish Bay the next spring. Dave Parrish and Jay Johnston chopped the sailors from the ice. And Simon Johnston buried them in rough boxes made at Evans Mill. 
The sailors rest at the pine-covered Mission Hill Cemetery in Bay Mills Township, Michigan, overlooking Iroquois Point and Whitefish Bay. Their graves are enclosed by a white fence with a signboard, Sailors of the Steamer Myron, attached to it. Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I couldn't summarize that or make that any better. I was like, no, I'm just going to quote. That's fine. Because... That's horrific. I that's, mean, that is that is like nightmare fuel. That's absolutely horrific. But things like that happen. Don't go on the Great Lakes past like Labor Day. Don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, seriously. <laughs> I mean, with climate change, we can move that up a couple weeks. But like mid-September, stop. Yes, yeah, stop going. Uh, so as if that all weren't enough. <laughs> Great. The Highland Recorder. Love those words. <laughs> the Highland Recorder, a small newspaper in Virginia, reported in mid-July 1948 of the death of three-year-old Carol Ann Pomranke, who was taken and killed by a bear. Fuck. And I just Carol Ann. I just I'm gonna think of Poltergeist. Um, <laughs> Carol's father was keeper of a fire observation tower in the Marquette National Forest at the time, and the family home was located at the base of the tower. So, quoting from the paper, quote, Mrs. Pomeranke and a son, Alan, five, were in the house when the mother saw the bear approach across the small clearing. Before she could go to Carol's defense, the bear had snatched the baby from the porch, from the porch steps, and was lumbering away on its hind legs, carrying the child in its forepaws. The child probably was dead by that time, Dr. Lyman McBride Corner said, for she was killed by a bite that sent one of the bear's fangs into her brain, end quote. WFMK claims that the bear was hunted down by townsfolk and pieces of the girl were found inside. Oh, my God. Welcome to season five of Haunted Bitten, everybody. <laughs> Starting with a bang. Good God. If you wanted yeah. more death and destruction, we got you. Unfortunately. Yeah. A lot of wild stuff happened. Up, literally wild. Got the lake in November. You've got wildlife bears stealing kids. Stealing kids. Also, don't leave your toddler on the steps of your deep forest home, maybe. Apparently not. Even if you're inside don't do that. watching her. Yeah. Don't do that. I guess just don't. Just don't do it. Don't live deep in the forest. Forests are scary. Yeah. Great Lakes are scary. It's all scary. Yep. It will all kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, nature will kill you. Uh, gee, I wonder why people think this place is haunted. Crazy. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah, can't imagine. <laughs> WFMK says, quote, apparitions and dark shadowy figures have been seen on the lighthouse grounds that are believed to be spirits of the slaughtered Iroquois warriors. A little girl ghost has been seen wandering the site by a handful of residents and visitors. Some have claimed to experience abnormal cold spots inside the lighthouse as well, end quote. An article on MackinawCity.com states that the ghost of a child was, quote, encountered on at least one occasion by a paranormal investigator who was visiting the light in the 1990s, end quote. Given the death of little Carol, many have come to the conclusion that she is the child who is seen, but no one can say for sure. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with all that tragedy, true just so just, let's just, just like, keep, tragedy after tragedy after tragedy let's just heap it on let's heap all the emotion on let's just heap all the energy on let's just keep doing it yep there's oh, yeah there's got to be a lot of energy focused in that area just got it just like i would not be surprised if you just like walked close to it and this is like oppressive feeling just like sadness just happened yeah 
Yeah, that's a lot for this one little <laughs> this is a lot. strip of area. Yeah. I'm so, like, as much as I really love the UP, I'm also kind of terrified of the UP. <laughs> yeah, there is, you have to be a certain kind of, like, have a certain sense of fortitude, I think, to live in that Oh, region. God, you do. Yeah. Um, even now. Yeah. Even with modern technology and things. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just, like, visiting the Paulding Light, there were bears. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, tour buses go there. So. Yeah. Yeah, and my parents have... Um, gone camping up there and bears came into the campsite yeah um these are things that happen in michigan yep this is not just a far out california thing or (laughs) this this stuff happens here we have wolves we have bears yeah coyotes yeah and they're all bigger here yep because i'm like bears in your campsite in california is like just a giant raccoon but (laughs) i mean they're giant raccoons here they're just giant raccoons right they're just bigger can bite your head and put a tooth in your Brain. Brain. Your little child's like, brain. Wow. I mean, I guess at least she went quick. Uh, Sure, why not? Yep. Yeah. Let's go with that. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking tragic. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, over to, to Whitefish Point now. Oh, okay, moving on. <laughs> which is, we've already kind of talked about it. Um, we find the oldest operating light on Lake Superior. Reading from the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum's website. Really cool museum. That, that place it. rocks. Uh, Quote, Whitefish Point marks the eastern end of a notorious 80-mile stretch of shoreline from here west to Munising, uh, Michigan, known ominously as Lake Superior's Shipwreck Coast. Yup. Of the 550 known major shipwrecks lying on the bottom of the lake, at least 200 of them are in the vicinity of Whitefish Point. Yeah. Uh, Quote, the lighthouse station was operated exclusively by the U.S. Lighthouse Service from 1849 until 1923, when the U.S. Coast Guard established a a lifeboat rescue station here. The Lighthouse Service merged with the Coast Guard in 1939. The Coast Guard closed the lifeboat station in 1951 and took all personnel from the site in 1970. The site was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1973, but there was no money for restoration. In 1980, Whitefish Township approached the fledgling Great Lakes Shipwreck Historical Society for assistance in preserving this important property. The Society obtained a license from the Coast Guard in 1983 to commence museum operations, opened the first exhibits in 1985, and opened the present Shipwreck Museum building in 1987. Woo! Euro's born, baby! An act of Congress legislatively transferred the site uh, to the Shipwreck Society's full ownership in October of 1996. And dang, it's a cool place to go. Yeah, I think I was probably there late 80s, early 90s, okay. I guess, for the first time. Yeah. Um, we used to go, we traveled around Michigan a lot when I was growing up. So Yeah. Uh, so because, as we've said, of the harsh winters and locations so remote, Europeans did not settle in this region until the 1870s. Though they had been traveling through uh, since the 1600s. Yeah. Of course, we all, that's where history comes from. That's where our history comes from. (laughs) After every storm, uh, men of the rescue station found bodies washing ashore. Shocking. Great. They buried them in unmarked graves behind the dunes, because I didn't know who these guys were. (laughs) A visiting psychic claimed that up to 50 spirits now haunt the point. Also, fun fact, courtesy of the book Supernatural Haunts by Brad Blair, Tim Ellis, and Steve LaPlante, read that book too it's great it's so good and it's name just yeah, it's, it's name. the best name ever um so keeper robert carlson foiled the plans of two german spies at the lighthouse during world war ii 
So yeah, check out their book for that story. Definitely. And I trust them because they're they're like history dudes. And they're they are <laughs> history dudes. Very they're like hyper local. They're so into yeah. the UP in their area and they're very knowledgeable and I love it. Right. They're writing about where they're from, which mm-hmm. definitely helps when you're talking about a place yeah. like that. So yeah, Supernatural Haunts. Great title, great book. Yeah. As for what goes on here today, Lake Superior Magazine reported on an Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society investigation. Goodness, the name. Youper for short. Youper for short. Get it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> In 2007 with author Frederick Stonehouse. Remember him? He wrote about the ghost ships and wrecks that we covered in previous episodes. I don't remember what numbers those are or what seasons, so go back and listen. Yeah, the ghost. You'll figure it ghost out. Ghost ships. And yeah. this will probably not be the last time we talk about him either. Right. Researcher Jason Fagan said one of his experiences with a spirit, quote, I've never experienced anything like it before. I felt it walk right past me. I could hear the swooshing of the clothing, end quote. Swooshing. Swoosh. <laughs> a woman dressed in 1890s attire has been seen outside the light tower lamp room, looking worriedly out at the lake. Perhaps this is the spirit that Fagin encountered? Perhaps. Yeah, she would make swooshy noises with her skirts, <coughs> right? That's true. Yeah. Dress. Swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. Reading from Lake Superior Magazine, quote, about 1 a.m., an independent videographer, there to document the team's work and shooting infrared in the museum, was startled by the low, vo- was startled by the low voice of a woman. Barely audible, it lasted 10 seconds. Which, that's long. That's long. Like, when you actually sit there and count out 10 seconds, that's long. That's a long time to hear a disembodied voice. They're usually like, Psh. Yeah. <laughs> like a half second. So another recorder captured what seems to be a conversation between a man and woman. It's too faint to be deciphered, even by special amplification. Other weird audio was also recorded in the museum. All team members working in the keeper's quarters reported feeling intense apprehension. Mm. No one suggested an outright malevolence, but they expressed a definite feeling of something less than welcoming. Oof. End quote. So a Native American girl, some say woman, can be hard to tell with teenagers, uh, has yeah. also been spotted all over the grounds, both inside and outside of the museum, in the gift shop and the fog house. No description of her is given beyond that. Interesting. Yeah, she she roams pretty wide. Yeah. Jennifer Billick also mentioned the Uber's investigation in Ghosts of Michigan's Upper Peninsula, as well uh, as another investigation by the Northern Michigan University Paranormal Research Team. Y'all. Y'all got long names. We got to work on these names. <laughs> Youpers at least, like, condenses very well. They put thought into that. N-M-U-P-R-T. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Do whatever you want, but, you know, workshop it. <laughs> Near the bell of the Edmund Fitzgerald, the team, yes, because that is actually there, and it's yep cool and sad. Yep. Um. The team read off the names of the people who died, and when they got to the name of the second cook, their EMS detector began to spike wildly. Other things people report seeing are a child waving from the tower window. Creepy. Apparitions of Coast Guardsmen in the crew quarter, where doors pop open at exactly 6 a.m. every day. And people report feeling someone sweetly striking their faces. Yeah, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? And phantom sailors on shore watching a ghostly ship sail past and into the fog. Just sweetly, just like, 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 yeah, like, like, oh, you're so cute. Like, yeah. Instead of like, whack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Imagine though, if it just came up and just like whacked you in the face. 
<laughs> that would be annoying. <laughs> so is it? So is so is like just like lightly? Yeah. Just like tap just like it. Just tell me how cute I am. Like, oh, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a child, like you know, tapping your face or something. Oh or yeah. Oh okay, that's cute. I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> well, good because it's gonna happen whether you want to or not. Evidently, I don't know. A lot, a lot of things clearly have been reported. Yeah. Um, Diana Higgs Stampler, again, love her book, uh, also talks about the light in her book, Michigan's Haunted Lighthouses. She says that a man in a royal blue uniform is seen. Uh, people have felt the gentle stroke as of from a child on their faces, oh, arms, okay. and backs. Yeah. So maybe that's so kind it's of what like, they're talking yeah. about. Uh, workers and visitors report hearing unexplained footsteps and other noises and seeing, quote, ghostly images. What? I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. That's why I put it in quotes. <laughs> like, so I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to quote them directly. <laughs> uh, Motor City ghost hunters reported from one of their investigations, places investigated a lot. Yeah. <laughs> feeling, quote, drastic temperature change, uh, rapidly changing EMF activity, electromagnetic field, odd sounds and voices, drained flashlight batteries, and the feeling that someone was watching them at times. Also, a pair of pajamas were moved to the end of the bed from the pillow. So that's a thing. And yep. someone woke up after feeling touches on their arm, face, and foot. So these these ghosts really like the touching. Yeah, yeah. Never, of... never like harmful touching. Never no. mean. Just like. Very tactile. Just like making sure you're a person. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> hey, who are yeah. you? More than any other location, I think. Yeah. I don't think we've ever encountered up to this point, like so much. Physical yeah. touching. Yeah. The sensors at the back of the museum were tripped for no visible reason. On another trip, MCGH believes they made contact with a Native American woman who had lost her child to illness after a member of the investigative team, quote, began yep. speaking Native American. Yep. I assume Ojibwe. Sure. You want to say that? Nope. They don't want to. Okay. Sure. They used EVP and the flashlight on off trick to communicate. Yeah. I'm going to assume Ojibwe, just given the region. Yeah. And we know someone who has done that as well. Yeah. Um, MCGH actually posted a video to YouTube of what they believe is a ghost girl, um, which we'll be linking to in the show notes so you can judge for yourselves. They think it may be the spirit of a woman who actually died in 2007, but grew up in the lighthouse, Bertha Endress. Supernatural Haunts also mentions that a girl died in a fire in the 1920s on the property. Uh, probably the funniest thing I have ever read is also in Supernatural Haunts. In the museum, the team snapped a picture of being mooned by a ghost. God damn it. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's like got to be the funniest thing I've ever. I've read a lot of claims, you know. We've read a activity. lot of stuff about but, yeah, investigations. <laughs> Nobody's ever been mooned by a ghost before. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, get this book. It's great. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. And as for the woman that passed away in 2007, I think they believe she just was returning to her childhood happy place. Right. And just like, oh, I liked it there. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go visit that place. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. She didn't like die tragically at the lighthouse in 2007. Nothing like no. that. No. Nope, just hanging out. Whatever. Whatevs. Yeah. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsors. 
A huge thank you to Chapters Tea and Coffee for sponsoring us this season. Their robust coffee and flavorful teas are keeping us going this busy spooky season. The Raven's Roast Coffee is perfectly roasted, incredibly smooth, and when I handed the first cup to my husband, he took a sip and a look of pure bliss came over him. Krista and her husband made the Dream Within a Dream tea before bed, and they loved the well-balanced flavor and calming warmth of it. There are so many reasons to enjoy this brand. Chapters is local to Southeast Michigan. You can get all of their blends from drinkchapters.com. And they donate 5% of their net profits to Active Minds, the national leader for young adult mental health advocacy and suicide prevention. You'll fall in love with the art, the blends, the bookmarks. Do not wait to get your hands on these blends. Make the cold months warm and comfortable with Chapters Tea and Books. Again, that is drinkchapters.com. Thank you for sponsoring this season of Haunted Mitten. We have saved the best for last. Our next lighthouse is on the is on the Lake Michigan shoreline outside Gulliver, Michigan. Thank you for putting how this lighthouse is pronounced because I never get it right. Because it looks nothing like what it nope. is. So it is, called, <laughs> it is called the Sichua Point Lighthouse. It is spelled S-E-U-L-C-H-O-I-X. Yeah. In modern French, it would be Solchois. Yeah. In their French, it would have been Solchois. Yeah. Neither of those sound like Sichois. Nope. That's, that's none of them. Nope. Nope. Cool. <laughs> yep. Per Wikipedia, quote, the station was established in 1892 with a temporary light, and this light started service in 1895 and was fully automated in 1972. It is an active aid to navigation. There is now a museum at the light, and both the building and the grounds are open for visitors from Memorial Day until the middle of October. So you, you still you still have time. You don't you don't when this releases. When this releases now. But you had time Get at prepared. the time of recording. Get prepared. <laughs> Get prepared for next year. <laughs> the name is French for only choice. And this is indeed the only choice of refuge along that stretch of dangerous coastline. Because it's not just Lake Superior <laughs> in the UP. Oh, no. It's all oh, of them. Oh, no. They're all scary. All I assume Ontario is scary, too. Yeah, probably. Probably. Pro- I just, yeah, I just assume. <laughs> I've never been there. I assume it's also scary. Uh, so this is a unique one that <coughs> not only can you read about it in Michigan's Haunted Lighthouses uh, by Diana Higgs-Stampler and Ghosts of Michigan's Upper Peninsula by Jennifer Billick. But Marilyn Fisher, president of the Gulliver Historical Society, which maintains and operates the site, wrote a book entirely devoted to it, entitled Spirits at Sichua Point, True Lighthouse Stories. Dude. Yeah. That's how, that's how active this is. That's how active this place is. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's no longer in print. Boo. But you can buy it used or get it from your local library interlibrary loan system. Yeah. I'm uh, pretty sure I got it through Melcat. Probably. I'm almost positive. Um, and if you have ready access to the Belleville, Briggs, or Superior District Libraries, you're in luck because they have it in their catalogs. <laughs> that's where we get it from. <laughs> so, yeah, I got it. Um, I think it was the Belleville couple, actually, but I got it through Melcat. So, yeah. Melcat, beautiful, wonderful. Oh, so resource. good. Thank get you, Melcat. So many books that way. Saved our lives multiple times. Yep. For this podcast. <laughs> so, what happens here? A lot. Oh, so much. There's an entire book devoted to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom cigar smoke is smelled and attributed to former keeper Captain John Joseph Willie Townsend. 
a name. It's a long name, yeah. Love it. Very English. John Joseph Willie Townsend, uh, whose wife didn't allow such a habit. John. (laughs) So now he's just smoking it up in the afterlife. (laughs) Chris Struble, who operates... (laughs) Sorry, that's hilarious. He's just like, oh, sweet, I'm dead. I can smoke all I want. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Can't stop me now, wife. (laughs) It's like after my grandmother passed away... My grandfather went out and bought a Cadillac. Right. Because she had always told him no. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, my dad bought a boat. (laughs) Yeah. The ways we grieve. (laughs) It's wonderful. However you have to grieve is fine. Yep. Provided it doesn't destroy you financially. Yeah. My mom had a tree cut down. Yeah. Multiple, I think. She cut down (laughs) almost every damn tree in that yard. (laughs) The whole reason we bought the house was the trees. (laughs) Somebody else's house now. I was like, the whole reason your dad bought the house was the trees. Yes. (laughs) Wow, take that, trees. Chris Dribble, who operates Hana Tours with his company Petoskey yesterday. I like that name. I like that name. That's really cute. Uh, And has experience with cigars. Said Says he once... Has experience with cigars. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Says he once smelled a fresh cigar being passed under his nose when he thought he was alone in the lighthouse. So... John is also good at sharing. Yeah. He's like, oh, I recognize this guy. He's a fellow smoker. Oh, he knows. He'll appreciate this one. He knows the cigars. Yep. Uh, Youper's founder, Tim Ellis, was once smoking cigars with friends outside the lighthouse lighthouse in tribute to Townsend. This man loved his fucking cigars. He did. (laughs) Famous for it. And they saw a curtain pulled back, quote, as if someone were watching from inside the lighthouse, end quote. But the group was alone. Once the overnight security alarm went off and the officers who investigated thought they heard a chair scrape inside, assuming it was the keeper, but there was no keeper at the time. The lighthouse was searched and indeed no one was inside at all. A few weeks later, the alarm was tripped again and again, no one was found inside the lighthouse. A car of teenagers was encountered on their way to the lighthouse and it was discovered that these teens had been responsible for a break-in at a nearby property. Jerks. Marilyn Fisher believes that Captain Townsend tripped the alarm in order to protect the lighthouse from vandalism. And get those kids caught. <laughs> Damn kids. Driving around. I mean, there's not a lot to do. Causing trouble. There's nothing to do up there. So, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My father grew up in, well, Allegan, where yeah. also very forest, especially back then. And yeah, they would just drive through the woods. You just drunk. drive. Yeah. Just drinking, throwing bottles. Yep. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of that. Yep. A lot of cruising. Yep. Whole bunch of cruising. <laughs> y'all are from Michigan. You should know what we're talking about. I know. Y'all, I y'all like, from Michigan. I was like, anybody from yeah. a rural area knows exactly what, that, what that's about. Yep. So other phenomena include, because there's a lot. Again, there's an entire book about this. Uh, chairs have been seen to rock themselves. Guests and staff have reported hearing music playing, quote, like an old phonograph recording, end quote. And faces occasionally appear in mirrors. While Fisher was giving a tour to a man and a woman, the trio saw two women's faces appear in an upstairs mirror. The women were identified as Leonore Goudreau Fish and Mary Ann Pemble. They're actually able to identify them. Wow. Also, according to Fisher, quote, Townsend's face has been seen 13 times in the mirrors of the upstairs bedrooms. Ooh. End quote. Auspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Again, entire book. <laughs> Uh, Once it was even caught on camera by a TV crew from WGVO Grand Rapids Public Television. 
I know I want that footage. I'm like, where? Give me. I want the footage. Uh, the captain has also been seen looking out windows. America's Haunted Road Trip says, quote, a woman was visiting the lighthouse sometime last year, and when she pulled in, she noticed a man wearing a heavy blue coat walking across the yard to the lighthouse. Being friendly, she waved. He ignored her, but she didn't think that much of it. When she got home, the woman started doing some research on the lighthouse's history and realized that the man she'd seen in the yard was Captain Townsend. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Man loves his lighthouse. Yeah. I think we encounter that a lot, though, that, like, yeah, the usual suspect for lighthouse hauntings are, like, one of the keepers because, like, yeah. it was their entire life. Yeah. That yeah. was their entire purpose for being there. Yes. And they seem to, like grow to love it in some yeah. capacity even if it's like a begrudging love they have huge respect for what they do yeah absolutely. huge respect for their light and they yeah. just get really attached to it i mean it was a it was cool. incredibly important job oh yeah I mean, it was vital to the continuation of shipping so yeah continuing from that quote volunteers have also found toys strewn all over the floor of one of the children's bedrooms upstairs Nothing had been out of place the night before, and by all accounts, the lightkeeper's quarters had been locked up all night. Volunteers think the children's room might be haunted by the spirits of two of the little girls who grew up in the lighthouse. Although they grew up and moved away, both had recently passed on, and it was just about the time they died that the children's room became active. End quote. So yeah, again, returning to yeah, place of joy. Totally. Uh, one popular story is about the utensil place settings in the kitchen, which are moved from our American place settings, so uh, fork to the left <laughs> of the plate, yeah, uh, to the English way, uh -huh. fork on top of the plate times down. And it's funny because I've read so many different ways that the settings are. Okay. Um, they're like, oh, the like nobody knows how we actually are supposed to set plates is what I've learned from all of these No, books. and like I grew up like with... Chelsea, whose parents are fully English, like, right. she's first-generation American. And so, like, I can remember how her mom would get after us to set the plates. And then I remember how we did it at home when we bothered to set plates. But I never, I don't know this fork yeah. the top thing. Yeah, with the tines down. This is apparently how it was done at the time. Okay, sure. Um, and I got this one, I think, from the actual book. And I'm like, well, this is literally from the source, so... So, yeah, so okay, American place setting, fork to the left, and uh, the English way at the time was fork at the top of the plate, tines down. So Captain Townsend okay. was English, because he's got that long-ass name. <laughs> that's how you know. That's how you know. Oh, my gosh, that's how you know. Uh, and it's speculated that he is the one moving the cutlery. Yeah, because how dare you do it wrong? Yeah. People are always on Americans about doing things like that wrong. I know. I know. We have the worst table manners. We do. Uh, we do. <laughs> I got after like Chelsea's mom yeah. got after me a couple times. Like I could actually, yeah. I could remember from being a child for like doing yep. for doing like tape having table manners wrong. I'm like, I don't know. We don't even sit at a table. And I'm like, why does it even matter? Why does it matter? Yeah, apparently, that's one of the things that appalls the English the most when Americans go abroad to England. Yeah. is our horrible table manners. Sorry, and it's like that's just how we eat. Like this is just how we eat. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't even grow up sitting at a table. We definitely did. We but sat in front of the TV. I mean, there was no... Every once in a while, my mom would try to get the you know elbows off the table. But yeah, no. I, no. I've got to hold myself upright while I eat. Yeah, come on. <laughs> no, elbows on the table is totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever, England. Yep. 
Um, the kitchen table is the only piece of furniture that is original to the keeper's quarters, oh, by the shoot. way. Okay. So, so he could be even more like protective of it. Yeah. No, this is or this is our table. Of it or, yeah. yeah. And you're setting up my table wrong. And you're setting up my table incorrectly. Yep. All right. So yeah, that's what's going on Fair there. Enough. We're not done. Fork at the, I know we're not done. Oh my god! This place is really active. It's really on. An guys. entire book <laughs> devoted to just we this lighthouse. We cannot say this enough. <laughs> I think she wrote a second one too, but I couldn't find it. Oh no! Dang yeah. it! Once a carpenter who was hired to install new flooring heard footsteps come right up to him while he was working. When he didn't see anyone but felt a blast of icy cold air, he freaked out, left the lighthouse, and refused to return. Another workman came and finished the job. On at least three occasions, someone stood or sat in front of the mirror in an upstairs bedroom, and a light shot out of the mirror, stunning the person. Three occasions, at least. (laughs) Someone stood or sat in front of the mirror in an upstairs bedroom, and a light shot out of the mirror, stunning the person. Yeah. I mean, I would be stunned if a light shot out of a mirror at me, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) But like physically, like, yeah. What? Yeah. That's awesome. At least three occasions, <laughs> this exact thing has happened. Right. That's wild. Oh, I love the weird stuff. Yeah. On at least one occasion, the light left the room and zoomed down the stairs. Yep. So it stunned a person and was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and just left. But boy. And it was just, a, that's crazy. The Bible opens and closes by itself. So take that, anybody who thinks that, like, religious artifacts can't be touched. Yep. (laughs) And the sheet music on the piano changes on its own. Okay, so Fisher's book is basically 140 pages. It's 140 pages? (laughs) With a new ghost story every other page or so, on average. Uh, So we're just going to stop here. (laughs) Because there's so much more. Oh, my God. Uh, if this does not entice you to seek out her book, I do not know what will. Because, <laughs> dang, dang, 140 pages. So that's like, what, 70 ghost stories? Yeah. I'd say. Maybe. I didn't yeah. count them, but yeah. Yep. Uh, the lighthouse is thought to be haunted by five ghosts. At least. With Townsend being the most active, as we've discussed uh, above, and is often named one of the most haunted lighthouses in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, (laughs) Captain Townsend is the only keeper to have died at the light. He passed from tuberculosis in 1910. Oof. And there's like a whole thing about his body and yeah. Okay. That Um, again, not going to get into. (laughs) So, what are we going? Podcast is only so long. Yeah, we obviously need to visit this light. Like we should have recorded this earlier so that we had time to go because now we're out of time. I know. I feel like next year we really do need to plan a vacation where we just. We just drive around and visit some of these places. Yeah. Because, yeah, I found a couple places that are just wildly active. Yeah. Like, we only discussed three places, and they were all extremely active with a lot of history. Right. Oh and gosh. I've skipped. I've cut out so much of this lighthouse because 140-page book. Right. And oh then there's, God. like, the whole thing about, like, what happened with Townsend's body and, like, yeah. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe oh I'll, I'll put together some for, for Patreon content because, yeah, it's just. Oh, yeah, please do. so much. At least the body stuff, because I have no idea what you're talking about, and I'm very interested. Well, it's very cold in the north. Oh, no. <laughs> it's very hard to bury bodies. Oh, no. It's cold. 
Oh, no. But, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this place is super active. Definitely check out the books. It's talked about in, in all of the UP books, I think, and the, obviously I'm the sure. Lighthouse book. You can't, like, you can't leave that out. Yeah. So um, that finishes our look at UP Lighthouses for now. Yeah. Who knows? You yeah. never know when another lighthouse is going to turn out to be haunted. Um, it seems like all of them are. Yeah, a at lot. least in some capacity. Like, yeah, the lakes big, are dangerous, dangerous places. It's a big haunted place. Next time we visit lighthouses, we will move down the state into the mitten. We'll finally be getting to the larger portion of lighthouses. Yeah. <laughs> so be prepared for like eight episodes on that. Uh, don't forget the haunted mitten is on Patreon. Uh, $1 a month gets you access to the private Haunted Mitten Discord server, as well as exclusive Patreon content, including a growing collection of live presentations. We do have tiers now, so there is a $3 tier if you want to yep. get things like um, Kay's Crime Corner. Um, yep. And then moving forward, our live presentations will be on the $3 tier, yes. but our past presentations are still on the $1 tier if you want to go check them out. Yeah, we're not going to, I'm not going to take anything no, taking not, the old stuff yeah. off. Like, I don't that want to take things away from people. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. So, no. Hopefully, as long as Patreon is cool with letting us do that. It should be. It better be. Um, also, check us out at hauntedmitten.com, which um, is looking better and better now that we have yes. someone that's not yes. us to do the website because neither of us are web designers and this person is. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, and that includes a link to our merch store and a list of upcoming events. So go buy some Haunted Mitten merch. Hashtag absolutely a witch. Yeah. Um, oh, I got a new idea for one. So it's like the same, um, like I did the witches, the and. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to do that for the haunted cemeteries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of them. Sweet. Could do it for the haunted lighthouses, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> it'll it'll say Sichua, but it'll have the pronunciation next to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just all of them phonetically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So keep up with this on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunted Mitten. Uh, you can find me in the same places, although I'm not on Twitter as much. I did go to the Blue Sky. So if you're on Blue Sky, I'm also there. Yeah. I'm at Krista K. Coburn. K is at K. Gray Wrights, also on the Blue Sky. Blue yep. Ski. Yeah, I always say Blue Ski. <laughs> I've seen like Biski. A lot of people yeah. saying that. I always say Biski or Blue nope. Ski. Blue Ski is cute. Uh, if you have a spooky story that you would like to share or just want to reach out, please email us at contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com or please via social media do it and we love them so many of you contact us yeah it's been amazing like we we should do a mailbag because we, we will be yeah at this point we have so many it's oh we have so many fantastic thank you so much everybody i know we love your stories thank you yeah. for like trusting us enough to share those with us that's awesome yeah this has been great um also we mentioned a lot of books in this episode don't forget that any books we mentioned on the show are available for purchase at bookshop.org slash shop slash haunted mitten there were like what three or four? I, think we I know in this at least. Um, yeah, I think there were four. And you might be able to find the the Sichua one used, but like I said, it's available on Melcat. Yeah. Or if you're in Belleville, you can just go pick it up at the library. The <laughs> new library. Congratulations, guys! Right? That was like our home once upon a time. So yeah. I voted for that right before I moved out. <laughs> you're welcome. Good job. <laughs> and as always, happy haunting. We're back.
here to talk to you about Lynn B. Designs. Not only do they have the best nail polish to rival even those most expensive nail polishes on, you see on Instagram, but they have stickers, wax melts, shirts, everything cute and adorable and definitely ready for this fall season. So be sure to check out this vegan, cruelty-free brand. You will love them as much as we do. Check out Lynn B. Designs monthly sales. They are fantastic. I am going to go look at some right now. Thanks.